Well, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Good morning to you all. I am Charles McKnight, one of the pastors at West Charlotte Church. And I'd be remiss if the very first thing I didn't say to you this morning is thank you. I want to thank you for the unbelievably generous, generous way that you all as a church and many of you all individually have and are supporting what the Lord is up to in and through our little church in the urban West Charlotte community. I know it sounds cliche, but we really could not do what we are doing without your support. So again, thank you, and please keep supporting us. <laughs> because we believe that the Lord has just begun to scratch the surface of what he plans to do through West Charlotte Church in our community and even beyond. Some of you know that we recently celebrated our second church anniversary. Insert loud applause. Y'all are really good. It's like a studio audience here with me. This is great. We do praise the Lord for that. And uh, it has been an unbelievably amazing and humbling experience to see what the Lord has done in just two short years through weak and, quite frankly, often incapable folks like myself. As a matter of fact, some of you are aware that one of the things that has rendered me personally less capable over the past year and a half has been a significant challenge that my family and I have been struggling through. For those who don't know, for the past 20 months now, my family has been dealing with an unresolved stalker situation, a situation that developed from us simply doing some outreach in our neighborhood. And as you can imagine, this kind of situation with all the fears and lawyer fees attached, has put an unbelievable strain on our family and, by extension, our church family as well. And so over the past 20 months, the Lord has had me in a place of deep learning, of learning what it looks like to still live and love and serve faithfully, even when bad stuff happens. Now, hopefully none of you all are dealing with the specific kind of bad situation that our family is currently dealing with, but I do know for a fact that all of you have and will experience your own kinds of bad situations, and I can assume this with the greatest of confidence because I know that you, like me, are broken people who wake up every morning in the same broken world where Satan and sin and sin's effects abound. A world where bad stuff happens. And it happens a lot, and it seems that it happens even more so when we are attempting to follow Jesus into the hard and often messy places that he calls his people. Remember, it was Jesus himself who promised his followers in John 16, that in this world you will have troubles. And of course, we all know that to be true. And so this morning, maybe somewhat selfishly, I simply want to invite you inside of my own struggle, my own struggle of learning what it looks like to respond well when bad stuff happens. 
So to begin this morning, I invite you to take a moment and to think about how you naturally tend to respond when bad stuff happens in your life. When adversity comes, when stress, sadness, danger, fearful situations pop up in your life, how do you tend to respond? We all have our tendencies, don't we? Psychologists broadly categorize these tendencies as either flight or fight tendencies, right? So which of those do you naturally bend more towards? When bad stuff happens, do do you uh, jump into fight it or fix it mode? Or do you tend to be the type to, to look for the escape wherever you can find it? Maybe for some... Bad stuff tends to send you more into ignore it mode or make light of it mode in order to shield yourself from the blow of bad. We all have our natural tendencies when bad stuff happens. And of course, what is often helpful about most of our tendencies is that they do in some way help to protect us, right? They they help uh, us to survive at least initially, these bad situations. But ultimately, we know deep down, especially as believers, that none of these natural tendencies are sufficient enough to bring us the real peace and hope and joy and even rest that our souls long for when bad stuff happens. And Psalm 46, which is our text this morning, is a passage that the Lord has been using to guide me personally away from my own insufficient response tendencies and towards the kind of response that pushes me beyond just being able to survive bad stuff, but to actually help me to thrive, to help me be able to make space for God's transforming grace to come to me when the bombs of bad explode in my life. And so this morning, my goal is simply to share with you very briefly some of what the Lord has been showing me in Psalm 46. And so with that, let's turn now our ears and our hearts towards God's word in Psalm 46. The psalmist begins saying, God is our refuge and strength. And an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The people of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But God lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So come and see 
Come behold, some translations say. Behold what the Lord has done, the the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that through this word on this morning, that you would use it as your means of of guiding us deeper into the grace that we need in order to face whatever bad we experience in our life. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we don't know for sure what motivated the psalmist to pen these words. But what we do know based on the words that the psalmist penned is that whatever it was, it was really bad. And this is clear to us from very early on in the passage where the psalmist poetically speaks of the earth giving way and and the mountains falling into the sea and then the sea itself foaming and surging and and roaring and the nations, the, the nations being in uproar. It's clear that the psalmist is painting a picture for us of a world gone bad. A world where nature and nations are corrupt and destructive. A a world where all of its inhabitants are experiencing the jolting aftershocks of the big bang of sin that crashed into this world way back in Genesis chapter 3. The psalmist is painting a picture for us, brothers and sisters, of a world where bad stuff, really bad stuff, the baddest of bad stuff is happening. And in painting this extreme picture of a bad, broken, and busted up world, the psalmist is strategically setting the stage to press us to ask ourselves the critical question, how will I respond? If everything in my life is turned upside down and inside out, if, if tragedy and devastation begin to flood my life, if the very mountains begin to crumble around me into the sea, the Lord, through the psalmist, is pushing us to ask ourselves this morning as the people of God, how will we, or better, how should we respond? How should we respond in order to make space for God's grace to flow to us in the midst of it all. That's the question I believe that Psalm 46 presents to us this morning. And of course, as the Lord always does, he not only gives us the right questions, but he also is faithful to give us the right answers to his questions. And so Psalm 46 also reveals to us that kind of response that keeps open the floodgates for God's grace to flow to us when bad stuff happens. And the response that God calls us to in this passage is simply to behold. Everyone say behold. 
say behold. Right after painting for us this extreme picture of a world gone bad, our passage then shifts abruptly, telling us in verse 8, come see. Again, it says in some translations, come behold, behold the works of the Lord. And in verse 10, God himself puts it similarly saying, be still, be still and know that I am God. In other words, brothers and sisters, God calls us in the middle of whatever bad we experience to restrain from our immediate fight or flight tendencies in order to instead first stop and look. Stop and behold. Stop and look at me, says the Lord. Look at all that I have revealed to you about myself in my word and in my works. Just look and you will see that I am a God who is able all able to do whatever I please. God's infinite abilities are highlighted all throughout this psalm, aren't they? Verse 6 says that God is able to make the earth melt with just his voice. Verse 9 says that God is able to make all war cease instantly. And verses 7 and 11 remind us that that God is so able that he goes by the nickname, the Lord Almighty. He is almighty, all-powerful, all-able God of the universe. Brothers and sisters, I believe God is encouraging us here to behold his abilities. Because he knows that our temptation will often be... To doubt whether God's goodness is able enough to overcome the bad in our life. And so he graciously reminds us this morning to see, to behold, that yes, I am all able in any and every bad situation that you experience in this life. I am a longtime Charlotte Hornets fan. And so I am somewhat excited that it is another NBA basketball season. Uh, But here, only a few weeks into the season, it is clear that my Hornets will be at best mediocre, as they always are. (laughs) But it's also clear that one of my favorite NBA players, LeBron James, is still one of the best basketball players in the game. Now, folks can have whatever opinion they want about him personally, but when it comes to his basketball-playing abilities, his dominance is undeniable, even here in his 16th NBA season. And some of you may know that last season, LeBron decided to move his abilities all the way from Cleveland, all the way out west to what we call La La Land, right? To become a Los Angeles Laker. Now, understand, Laker fans knew all about LeBron's talent well before King James decided to put on their royal purple and gold jersey, right? They had already witnessed LeBron's abilities. But up until now, those abilities hadn't done them any good. Because the abilities of another only bring us hope if those abilities are on our side. And committed to being for us. And so brothers and sisters. If that be true for athletes and sports fans. 
How much more true is that for us as the people of an all-able God? Amen? It's okay to say amen. Amen? What peace, what hope, what joy, what rest should we expect to experience in the face of whatever bad situation if we know for sure that the God of the universe is not only all able but also all committed to being all able for us? And so, brothers and sisters, the Lord is inviting us all this morning to not only behold his ability but to behold that he uses his infinite abilities for the good of his people. As the psalmist puts it in verses 7 and 11 of our passage, he says, the Lord Almighty is with us. He is for us. He is our fortress, the psalmist says in verses 7 and 11. God Almighty is our fortified hiding place. In the context of whatever bad we experience. And being tucked away inside this mighty fortress, as the great hymn describes him. We have an all-access pass to the grace that we need. What kind of grace? The grace of refuge and strength, the psalmist tells us in verse 1. Strength to keep on keeping on, to keep on loving, to keep on serving, to keep on fighting sin's temptations. Get this, even while we might yet still be in the middle of a horrible situation. The psalmist says that God, our fortress, is not only our refuge and strength, but I love this part. He says he is our ever-present help in trouble. Now, if you're like me, you know that God didn't always feel ever-present with you. Some of you may be feeling this morning like, God, you might be ever-present everywhere else except here with me. But brothers and sisters, God is reminding us this morning that no matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what it may look like to you in the moment, the objective and unchangeable reality is that God is ever-present with you and for you through ups and downs, through thick and thin, through the goodest of good and the baddest of bad times. God says, I am ever-present with you, bringing all my abilities to the table to provide you the precise help that you need. And the psalmist says in verse 4 that the kind of help that God provides is like a river, like a, a rushing stream of water that, that cuts right on through whatever we're going through to rush in all the reviving and refreshing and restoring grace that we need in order for the psalmist says to make us glad. To bring us joy, supernatural joy, again, even as the mountains may crumble around us. Our God is able, all able, and all committed to being all able for us. Amen? And of course, we know, brothers and sisters, we know how much God is for us. In a way that the psalmist never could. Because we know that 
the greatest demonstration of God being for us was through the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the promised return of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And therefore, the Apostle Paul can declare to us in Romans 8 that if God is for us in this way, who can be against us? Because Paul says, if God did not spare his own son, how will he not in Jesus give us all things? In other words, God is saying, I've already done the hard work of saving you from my wrath through the death of my son. I've already laid the ultimate bad experience of the eternal hell penalty that your sins deserve on my son's back. So you better believe that I'm going to give you every drop of mercy and grace that you need in order for the good work that my son died to begin to see through through completion, even in that bad situation. God always finishes the job. So in closing, brothers and sisters, when the bombs of bad explode in your life, and they will, whether it's a bomb of a stalker situation, the bomb of a cancer diagnosis, whether another world war breaks out or a war breaks out in one of your relationships, no matter what adversity floods your life, in Christ Jesus... We have the privilege of accessing a peace and a hope and a joy and even finding rest in the midst of it all when we stop and simply behold the great God who has already proved that he is for us. But of course... This, like most everything else in the Christian life, is designed to be a group activity. Beholding is a community event in a sense, right? As a a matter of fact, remember that this psalm, along with all the other psalms, were written to be sung and lived out in the context of God's community of his people. And so we need each other to be able to behold rightly. We need to see the unique and the diverse works of God through the unique lives and of his diverse people. And if the past 20 months has taught our family anything, is that we need brothers and sisters who can help lift up our heads, lift up our eyes to behold When the weight of bad is just too heavy for us to do it on our own. We need each other to behold. So brothers and sisters, let us now go before the Lord and ask him to help us to not only behold, but to help us help one another to do the same. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we adore you this morning. We adore you for being the all-able God that you are, and we praise you for for being all committed to being all-able for us. 
We ask you, Lord, this morning that you forgive us, that you forgive us for at times doubting your ability. We ask that you forgive us for at times doubting that you are for us. And, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for often neglecting to behold who you are and who you are for us and for neglecting to help our brothers and sisters who are struggling to do the same. So help us, Lord, we pray to behold you more faithfully together that we all as, a, as the community of your people might be able to, to better experience, Lord, and to, to better celebrate together the grace of peace and hope and joy and even rest that you offer us and so that we can then be able to live and love and serve faithfully even in the bad of this life. And Lord, as we prepare to respond to your grace to us this morning by worshiping you with our tithes and our offering, we, we trust that you will use what we give to further your kingdom agenda of calling a diversity of peoples to behold you. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.